The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Last Sunday we uh, read of Jacob's dream uh, of a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, blessing Jacob, promising him descendants, promising him a land, and promising that God's presence would go with him wherever he went. And then when, uh, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillow and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, or Beth-el, which means the house of God. We're taking a bit of a break from our journey through the book of Genesis. We'll return to it in February. But ahead of us in the uh, book of Genesis lie, among other things, the birth of Jacob's 12 sons, and then their journey into Egypt. And then beyond Genesis, I don't know whether we're going from Genesis into Exodus, but beyond the book of Genesis, beyond the story of Genesis, is the Exodus from Egypt. Not 12 sons, but now 12 tribes, not, not just a single family, but an emerging nation, the nation of Israel. And as they leave Egypt, they are led by God. By day, the Lord went ahead of them as a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. They will live in the wilderness for 40 years before finally entering and taking possession of the land that God had promised them. And during their time in the wilderness, God gives instructions for the building of a tabernacle. He said, have them make a sanctuary for me that I will dwell among them. When uh, Conrad talked about God's heart, I love the way this repeatedly comes up as we share in a service what I'm uh, opening from the word God has already spoken. That God's desire is to dwell with his people. And so God says, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And then when the construction was complete, then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting. This is this cloud that has gone before them by day and by night. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is a presentation of what the uh, tabernacle looked like. Within the tabernacle there is this smaller area here that is called the holy place. And then beyond that, is the holy, most holy place, or the holy of holies. 
And separating the holy place from the most holy place was this veil, this curtain. And within the veil, within the holy of holies, was the ark of the covenant. And in Leviticus we're told, the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron, who was the high priest, that he is not to come just whenever he chooses into the most holy place, behind the curtain, in front of the atonement cover of the ark, or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. God himself will appear in this cloud above the Ark of the Covenant, in the most holy place, in the Holy of Holies. Around 400 years later, King Solomon will oversight the construction of the first temple in Jerusalem. And it's modelled on this tabernacle. And then we're told that when the construction was complete, the priests then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place. And he put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. And when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Fast forward another 400 years and that temple is destroyed by the Babylonians. And around 50 years later, another temple is built. And it's in this temple, in this holy place, just outside the veil in this temple, just outside the most holy place, it's here that this story this morning plays out by the altar of incense. And so we read in Luke chapter 1, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In those days, he has sh- in these days, he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So we go back to the other image of the temple, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And, and while the temple looked very different, the basic structures and the and the content of the space was very similar. And so this morning our story is playing out by the altar of incense. And on the other side of the curtain, in the Holy of Holies, there is no ark. There is no presence of God. The the ark of the covenant had been lost when that temple had been destroyed, the previous temple. And as Marcus has pointed out, it seems that God had been silent for 400 years. There had been no prophetic voice in Israel. In that 400 years, there had been massive political uh, upheavals, major changes for the Jewish people and many changes in their religious structures. And as Zechariah comes, having been chosen, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense, As he came to burn incense, all the worshippers were praying outside and as Luke opens his narrative, his gospel, he does so with this report of a message from God brought by an angel to a priest serving in the temple. If we look at the other gospels, if we look at Matthew, Mark and John and their gospels, they make no mention of this story. When they introduce John the Baptist, he is an adult, he is a grown man. But Luke, having many interviewed many as he prepared his gospel, he chooses to begin his story here in the temple. On one hand, the, the temple seems such an obvious place, an obvious venue for such an announcement of the one who we are told would prepare the way. Isaiah said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. This is John the Baptist's ministry, and this is what is being announced. And so it seems an appropriate place for such an announcement. A priestly encounter with an angel at the altar of incense, that place of prayer, and just outside the curtain which separates the holy place from the most holy place where God's presence rests among the ark, except there is no ark. And many assume that there is no presence of God beyond the veil. And God has been silent. And I find myself thinking about the rest of the story as Luke's about to tell it. We worked our way through Luke's Gospel in about 2018 and 2019. And so really, in some ways, it seems an unlikely place for God to turn up. 
it seems there's not been present in that temple. You know, later in the story, Jesus drives the money changers from the temple and his declaration is, my house is to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. However, in this passage as we're looking at today, we also note, as Luke notes, that Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous people. And so God sends the angel, Gabriel. I love that statement. You know, I'm the angel Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I've come to talk to you. And Zechariah's response is, how can I believe you? It's like, sometimes we lack faith. We don't need to feel too bad. And so God sends the angel Gabriel to the temple, to the holy place, to the altar of incense, to the place of prayer, to a righteous priest. And to him the angel brings the good news. In your old age, your wife is going to give you a son and he will bring joy and delight to you. But more than that, he will be a delight for many because he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. What an announcement. But more than that, he will cause many in Israel to return to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. If I've got a couple of favorite Old Testament prophets, it's Elijah and Elisha. And John the Baptist is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here is Zechariah, a priest, a righteous man in the holy place, face to face with an angel who usually spends his time looking at the face of God. And Zechariah can't quite believe what he's hearing. But expressing that disbelief, he is struck dumb. And he won't speak again for a little over nine months. And as he comes out of the holy place, there's those who have been outside praying and they just have a sense that he has seen a vision. Fast forward nine months and John the Baptist has just been born and the naming is taking place. And at the end of Luke chapter 1, verses 65 and 66, we're told that all of the neighbours were filled in awe and throughout the whole country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard them wondered about it, adding, asking, when is this, sorry, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And so you have this moment where this news is spreading throughout all the hill country. But it was announced in the temple in the most, not the most, in the holy place. Something so powerful, so dramatic, so incredibly significant taking place that while the news spread so quickly out in the, through the countryside following the birth, surely there were others who were in the temple that day who knew and noticed that there was something happening. Even more than that as I thought about it, can you imagine among the priestly uh, relationships the news spreading. Have you heard about Zechariah and Elizabeth? Do you know how old they are? She's pregnant. 
And somebody's got to say, yeah, he was told about it that day in the temple. 400 years of apparent silence and such a significant prophecy brought to fulfillment in the holy place. And so many who lived and worked in the holy place seem to have missed it completely. God speaks sometimes in what we would assume would be the holy place. And so many miss the message. You know, you and I are often told you just have to be in the right place at the right time. But I would quickly add yes, but you must be listening. In fact, as we shall see repeatedly over the next few Sundays, the time and place actually don't matter. They're far less important than we might imagine. The only thing that matters is that we're ready and listening when God speaks. Whenever and wherever God speaks. For when we become aware of him, wherever we are, that becomes the holy place. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.